Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live or checking us out on YouTube, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll sprinkle in some New Japan or Bobby Mack, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Grant. I'm glad to be on this journey, and tonight that journey is Anything Goes with Marie Shadows. Remember, here at Botch Bots and Chair Shots, we're calling in the ring from all the angles. Joining me tonight for the second time, we have Marie Shadow. She is the host of the Squared Circle podcast. She is one of the hosts on Thomas Island. But most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, she is the IWC's New Japan Pro Wrestling Professor. Marie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Bobby Mack, why does it tell me there's a second version of you trying to come into the chat now? <laughs> this is our luck. Um, it said download some kind of install or update and i hit that so i don't know what's going on with it anyways i'm sorry my technology is killing us marie again how are you i'm good man <laughs> excellent uh joining us as well tonight making a rare on-screen appearance is the boss bitch of boss spots and chair shots miss allison siegel allison how are you i'm good very well spoken and to the bottom right of your screen or the bottom left of your screen you have the co-host extraordinaire, the Bonnie to my Clyde, the yellow shoe guy, Bobby Mack. Bobby, how are you? Hey, I'm doing wonderful. How's the Lone Star State? Oh, it's uh, lonely. Um, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's all right, dude. It's uh, I really got out much. Like, it took me three days to drive here with the U-Haul and all that other kind of good stuff, and moving by myself, when when all that. But the house is set up and everything's looking good. So uh, start work tomorrow at eight a.m. So let's just explain a little bit too much of your personal life right now. So explain this move. You got the call, what, last Thursday? Last Thursday, I got a call that said, hey, we want you. Uh, we're going to give you this kind of salary. We're going to give you these kind of bonuses. Um, so come on board. I said, all right, cool. And then they said, oh, it's in Dallas. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And they were like, uh, I was like, so when do you want me there? Like, they said yesterday. So I said, okay. And they said, well, if you start on Wednesday or Thursday, you know, we can at least pay you for the full week. So wow. So here I am one week later. So in very Bobby Mack fashion, you left one job, packed up, moved across the country and started another one a week later. Yep. Never miss an opportunity. I love that about you. Okay, anything goes. Bobby, you've done a few of these. Allison, you've listened to a few of these. Maurice, uh, you have as well. The big thing tonight is, I'm going to start with you, Marie. What has you pissed off for greatness in professional wrestling? Uh, like I told you, that's a very loaded freaking question, man. Um, I had two, um, and obviously they are, uh, AEW. One of them is that, uh, CM Punk decided to do Hangman's, uh, finisher, the, uh, Buckshot Lariat to John Silver to pick up the win. And then if you, if you, if you saw my tweet on Twitter, uh, I was just like the, I was just like the disrespect. And then I was just like, ew, you know, because he, he's a move thief. Um, the second one, if I try to remember what the hell it was on, on AEW, uh, man, I don't really remember what it was. Um, but we could start with, you know, me getting upset at 
uh, CM Punk using Hangman's finisher. And then the second one will come to me. All right. Well, while you think about it, Bobby, what are your opinions on guys stealing other finishers? How protected do you think a finish should be inside of a promotion? I think it should be very protected, but for anybody to claim that that buckshot lariat is uh, is Adam Page's is totally wrong. Um, the buckshot lariat started in Japan. Easy Money made it really famous in ECW, um, and a lot of guys on the indie circuit copied him. And Adam Page is one of those guys on the indie, indie circuit that copied uh, Easy Money. Um, it's a great move, uh, but again, it's he's nowhere near an originator to it, and he actually doesn't perform it as good as Easy Money does. Yeah, even to this day, where he's, he's you know twenty years older than the guy, but uh, yeah, stealing a move, you know, it, it is it's disrespectful. Um, you know, Dusty Rhodes picked up the figure four leg lock when he got in the feud with Ric Flair. Um, you know, there was guys that you know the sleeper holder Roddy Piper. You know, that was something that you know he obviously you know taken you know because he really what was Piper's finisher before that. Um, so yeah, when you steal that kind of move, it's an insult to the guy in the ring. But it's uh, you know if you don't ask permission, like what like. Kevin Owens, for example, he asked permission from Stone Cold to be to use a stunner. Um, you know that's respectful, and I think that's okay. But yeah, if you just do it out of nowhere, like what CM Punk did, yeah, that was definitely a that was definitely a great storyline uh, steal. Uh, Marie, question for you: What do you think in a match, for instance, when it has to come to the story? Do you think in a story similar to Austin and Rock at WrestleMania 17, do you think it's okay for the other guy to use the finish like that in a match, though? Like Austin using the rock bottom or the rock using the stunner? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I I get why Punk did it, um, but he brought that, you know, out of me that I was like, oh, this, you know, th this idiot, like, fucking used it and shit. Like, you know, um, it, got, it got me upset. He, he did his job. You know, he did his job. Uh, you know, I, I get it. But yeah, I think that in certain matches, uh, depending if the story is uh, right, that, you know, you can use another person's finisher just to elevate uh, the story. Allison, what are your opinions on stealing finishers? I mean, I agree with both of them, but didn't, I know, Marie, you've talked about this before, like Punk's go to sleep is a stolen yeah. move too, that he doesn't, he, he also doesn't give credit for it. I mean, yeah. I think, I'm, I mean, it's, it's good for a pop, I guess, you know, if it's just like a one-off, like, fuck you, I'm going to use your finisher, but mm -hmm. I, I think it's a little tacky. Yeah. I think if it's a, a place in the story, I think there's something for it to be said there, but I think for what he's doing to pull it out, I feel like that is very... Um, looking back on it, I would say Dusty using the figure four on Flair. It's kind of along those lines. I can't think of somebody right offhand that used the other opponent's finisher to finish somebody off. Randy Orton did it with Ritter, Riddle's uh, bro Derek. He used it against someone else. But that doesn't really count because they're tag team partners. Um, Allison, what has you pissed off for greatness in professional wrestling? So many, uh, I mean, I could go on a whole rant about like the, like how terrible like both women's divisions are. I mean, we can, we can, we can do that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's awful. Like, yeah. What specifically about the women's division though? Let's get very precise about it. Let's just go ahead and dive into that. Okay. Um, there, 
with AEW specifically, like they have so many, they're gaining all these women on the roster that are good and they just, they never show them. Like, I think their shows maybe have one to two women's matches at max. And like, once they put a belt on somebody, you know, they rarely ever defend it. And when they, and as soon as they lose it, it's like they never existed. You know, like, how often have we seen Britt Baker since she lost the belt? Like, a few times, maybe? Like, she competed for her spot in the um, Owen Hart tournament. But other than that, like, we don't really see her. You know, they have a bad habit of, you know, once they're done with their story of their belt, they just feel like, okay, well, let's do whatever's next. Marie, do you think there's a problem with the roster being oversaturated in AEW, specifically in the women's division? 1,000%. Just 1,000%. Yeah. Uh, because if the women are not going to get the same equal amount of, of time uh, with the men or, like, like some type of balance on the show, right? So, like, you know, uh, obviously when you watch AEW Dynamite, Obviously, the men matches outweigh the women matches. We're just asking for, like, some type of balance where we could at least get, like, maybe two or three, including the backstage uh, segments and stuff like that. I just think that it's it's a little oversaturated only because when you look at the AEW Dark and Evelation uh, graphic cards for, like, the, the matches and stuff, you can see all the women they have. And then, and then they bring in more women just to have, like, a job and opportunity, and I get that. But then in my mind, it's so fixed on, like, all right, how are you going to showcase all these women on Dynamite or, like, Rampage? Rampage seems to be, like, the loophole where they, where they could get away with, like, three women's matches. But that's not cool because, like, once Rampage goes back to its normal time, it's going to get, like, really bad ratings and, like, demographic and stuff, and that's not really good. Um, but I really do think that the women's division is oversaturated, um, even though, you know, it may not seem to like the normal fan, but yeah, I do consider it oversaturated. Bobby, let me follow this up with you now. Um, in your opinion, is it a two horse race between AEW and WWE as to who's going to have its first women's only brand? Do you feel like that's inevitable at this point? I don't know if that's the direction of either company um really unpopular take would be kind of like how women's soccer players are trying to get money the same money that the men's soccer players are getting or you know the WNBA. um if you're not drawing money then why why put all the effort in into the product um you know and again i know that's unpopular but it just seems like that's the truth like i would love to see an all elite women's wrestling um but i don't know if i would tune in every week um, same thing with the WWE, you know, they ran one all women's pay-per-view. The numbers were okay, but it's been what, three or four years now and they still haven't done it. So I'm curious now, like they've already dropped the women's battle Royal from WrestleMania, uh, the May Young uh, battle Royal. So is the interest really there for the fans? Um, you know, so I, I think that's, that's the, that's the big thing, you know, when, like I just went and saw Dr. Strange and spoiler alert, like there's a, there's a brawl between the villain and four heroes the two males get killed right away and then it's one female villain versus two female uh, lead superheroes oh. and i almost felt like it was forced yeah i could agree with that yeah, yeah I mean, so I, I don't sorry 
No, go. You finish. I thought you were done with your thought. Go ahead, Bonnie. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I just so again, <laughs> if if the money if the money's not there, you know, for the fans and the live, you know, the reaction's not there, then you know you got to go where the money is, and that's what mm -hmm. this business is about. Allison, you got someone to chime in. I mean, I don't necessarily think the women need their own show, but I mean, they could give them more time. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to have to be a 50-50 split, but like they could do better. Like both brands could do better. Like they pulled uh, the Bianca and Sonya match from Backlash and put it on Raw. Like they could have left that. Like there were so few matches on that card. Like even if they had shortened all the other matches just by a couple minutes or maybe taken out like one, like one unnecessary promo, you know, they could have had that match. You know, Ronda and Charlotte was a good match, but like we could have seen more from the women. Yeah, like I agree. Like I would, I would have rather seen Bianca, who I'm not a fan of, and Sonya, who I'm not a fan of, versus Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Right. Or what's the other guy, Umas, or whatever his name is, or Bobby? Yeah, Lashley. yeah, Umas and um, Lashley. Yeah, yeah. Th th those two matches feel like they should have been like on a Raw, like on a SmackDown, rather than like on a pay per view. Uh, but I understand why you know uh, WWE Backlash had those like what was it, just like six matches? Um, I understand why they had it, um, but at least, you know, on Raw, they really was like, all right, we're showing you the women. Like, here they are, you know, um, where, where more people at home, when they come home from work, they turn on the TV, and bam, there you go. You have your audience there. You know that right. they're going to come home expecting something. Um, the other thing, too, is that we should praise that NXT 2.0 had mainly an all-woman show, and I was even watching it, and I was like, oh, this is cool, even though we had, like, you know, uh, Chase University and stuff like that, like, you know, you know, some of the guys, but overall, it was, like, a, a whole woman's uh, show and stuff, and it's, like, that's the kind of progress that we want. Those are the kind of conversations that we want. You know, I know that AEW can do it, too. It's just that... You know, you just got to be upfront with everybody and just be like, look, TNT may not want us to have more women's matches because of X, Y, and Z. And then they try using Rampage to do the loophole to have them on there. But I want to see them like shine because I want to see their stories. I don't want to see them like get two minutes of like backstage nothings where like, you know, the baby faces always get interrupted by the heels and they can't say shit or like, you know, mean, meaningless um, stories that don't go anywhere. Like, um, Allison had mentioned before that, like, you know, our champion, uh, Thunder Rosa, like, has yet to really show up and really do something. And I understand that Thunder Rosa have, has Mission Pro Wrestling. Well, why doesn't she have an open challenge and have her ladies challenge it there? And then, like, that match gets to be put on, like, a special time on TNT. Like, they don't, they don't think. And, you know, this is why sometimes it bothers me that he doesn't have a team and he wants to do everything himself. And then it's like, bro, you're burning yourself out. Like, you need a team. You have the money. If you didn't, you know, you would have went down already. But you have the money somewhere. Hire a team. Let them do this for you. Let them think outside the box. Let them, like, you know, um, put these ideas out into the world and, like, make women's wrestling, like, as good as it should be as the men. Like, there shouldn't be any competition of, like, you know, the women had to fight for that, for that spotlight. Why the fuck do they have to fight for it when they're just as good as the men and, like, we go through more problems than them? So, yeah, it gets me upset. <laughs> it really does. Chiming in on a few things as I was taking notes. One, I completely agree, oversaturation. I think in the men's and the women's divisions, both, that 
if you only have a two-hour show on Wednesday and then a one-hour pre-recorded show on Fridays, that's three hours of TV, you have a 100-person male roster and a 45-person female roster. If you divided that TV time alone, like... Allison, the last episode you did with us, Down for the Count, the percentages were ridiculous. On a two-hour show on Dynamite, it was something like 42% of the show was actual matches. So 50, what is that, 58% of the show was anything other than wrestling? And Raw and Raw. And Raw was even less. Like Raw was only a 33% of. So if you think about the fact that. So if you've got a 145-person roster in AEW and you're only using 44% of your screen time for wrestling, that's even less screen time for even for that ridiculous size roster. I feel like they're losing, they're losing momentum in stories because of it, because there's not a lot of time to give us quality stories. And yeah. because of that, and I feel like the ones that we are getting are stellar. The MJF, uh, CM Punk were amazing. Uh, Britt Baker's championship run, I felt like was super well done. I felt like we saw her on screen. I do feel like Allison agreeing with you that the championships in AEW, I feel like are protected, meaning that one person will hold a title for a really long time. But I feel like a lot of their booking and their title matches all seem very redundant. It's either a really dirty finish that's over the top or the the hill champ will have like five people. There's always going to be something that happens after the match. I would like to see them get a little bit more streamlined with their title defenses. Maybe make their ranking systems mean something for once. You know, right. like what? why would that be a thing? Um, so yeah, just kind of doing that. I also think that Sonya and Bianca would have only been a six or a seven minute match anyways. So I don't feel like there's any reason why they couldn't have squeezed that in somewhere. Um, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, making my way around the circle, Bobby Mack, what has you pissed off for greatness in professional wrestling? Developing characters. Uh, you know, like you get guys like Madcap Moss, like it, the guy looks like he's got all the potential in the world. Like he's got a great look. Um, other than what they've dressed him up in. Um, so that drives me nuts. Like, this guy can talk. He's got a personality. Um, why put him in this stupid gimmick with Corbin? Um, so it doesn't make sense to me on that part. Uh, that's one of my biggest things. Is it, and if Roman, you know, I know everybody got freaked out this week because Roman made some speech in New Jersey about not coming back to town. Mm-hmm. And they all freaked out because Roman is their only true star. Like, when Brock's not there, it's only Roman. Like he is Hogan. Like, you know, and I know I'm going to go back to Hogan, but Hogan <laughs> was, Hogan represented the company. When Hogan left, the company went down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they put, you know, they had Brock and Austin at the same time. So you can compare that to Brock and Reigns. When Rock got hurt and Austin got hurt, Triple H was able to come in and, you know, take over and, you know, do his thing. But he also had other guys there too. If Roman legitimately went away from WWE, who is there to replace Roman? Like, what's the draw other than the brand WWE? And that pisses me off. Ladies, anything to chime in? Um, so, yeah, I agree with that, that uh, Madcap Moss does have, like, a lot of uh, potential, a lot of... Um, uh, you know, he has character, he has charisma, he has all that. Like, you, you see, you see it come out. Um, I just think that him working with Corbin is sort of like his stepping stone, and then eventually, hopefully, they got something down the line for him. Um, 
But yeah, I totally agree that sometimes, you know, um, wrestlers don't make characters as much uh, to the point where, like, you know, we can't really connect with them. Because uh, I remember, like, you know, back in the day, like, you know, you, you connected with at least somebody um, that, that was larger than life because you were like, oh, you know, uh, we have, like, the same common ground of, like, whatever we liked or whatever. And you're like, oh, this is why, like, I support this person. Because um, you get invested in the story and stuff like that. Uh, I created a video called uh, how, uh, uh, how to Make a Pro Wrestler, where I took the the concept of how to structure a three-act play plus a um, like a three-act novel, which is like act one, act two, act three, and then like explained everything um, just because I have a writing background. So like I explained it of like how you can use that to like jumpstart, you know, your career as like a young wrestler in the business and how to connect with people um, and stuff like that. And just using the stuff that I learned um, and then giving it away for like, you know, as like a Twitch stream and stuff like that. But um, I really do think that, you know, sometimes wrestlers do need to develop that character rather than just playing themselves. Uh, Cause sometimes people just don't get it. It's like, okay, you play, you play yourself, but you know, I want to live vicariously in a very nice, positive way, not no like stalkerish way uh, to like, you know, uh, get behind the person, support them, buy their merch, uh, want to be invested in like their stories that they tell. Um, but I think sometimes it's a, it's a lost art because everyone sees that, oh, if this person can go by like their real self, you know, they could get over. That's not always the case. Allison, what do you think about it? I mean, I agree. I don't really have like a whole lot to add in addition to what they said. I mean, I agree with what they both said. I I don't want to deep dive too much into it because I have a the interview with Al Snow I just did yesterday. So it's fresh on my mind. See, he, he and I were talking about storytelling and he says that one of the biggest things that modern pro wrestling is missing is that storytelling in the ring. Uh, a lot of the guys, and like I said, I, I don't want to, to, to spill too much of the beans before I drop the interview, but it, it rings true for somebody who was around for as long as he was. Because if you think about it, just using him as an example, he came through in the 80s. So he came up during the territory wrestling wrestling his debut was 83 bobby i see you scranting your face no i no, no, i was thinking about the time he yelled at me i <laughs> i brought that up before i brought that up before we went on the air because i was like man i'm really excited to have you on you know yeah i have a funny story with you about my co-host and i said it was when you were working in east tennessee with nwa smoky mountain and smoky mountain wrestling and i explained the scenario about you misprint actually or was it all-star then um, yeah. I, I explained the story about you mispronouncing his hometown and losing his shit on you for it. And uh, he was like, you'd be amazed how many people mispronounce it. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, he complimented me after the event. But yeah, during the event, yeah, he, he ripped me. Um, but yeah, he, he referenced storytelling a lot during the, the thing. And he said that outside of actually training the moves, that's one of the things they preach so hard about it in the OVW training program is getting everybody on that page of knowing what it's like to tell that story. Cause he says that's what's missing completely in modern wrestling is that there's no long term no long term stories remaining in the system. So I agree with that. Like that's AEW does a good job. I'll give them credit for that on the long term stories. Like they really do build the story. You know, Adam Page is obviously uh, probably the longest one that they did. But, uh, yeah, WWE, and WWE has never really done that. Like, in the old days when they did four pay-per-views, once the, once the pay-per-view happened, 
it was a reset. And like, you know, Ted DiBiase and, you know, whoever his opponent would, they'd hate each other for those three months to the buildup. The pay-per-view would happen that next week on Superstars or Wrestling Challenge. All of a sudden, DiBiase is going to get somebody else and building up to the next one. So, yeah, WWE has never had a great, um, I'd say, history of that, other than, I guess, maybe the Attitude Era where, you know, you did have Rock and Stone Cold, uh, Mick Foley and all them, and, you know, they just had continuous rematches, but they always made them fresh. I, I will say and jump in that the moment that we have the Rock versus Roman Reigns, you know the internet wrestling community is going to be like, oh my gosh, long-term storytelling. We told you guys, long-term storytelling. Yo, they, they're going to champion that like <laughs> for 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> I've never yeah, since, met... Since um, the birth of Roman. I've yeah. the Roman, we've been building this up. I've ne- never met a more fickle group of people than the IWC because it's oh, like an angry quilting circle of really just angry misfits because yep. I it's like the most... I don't want to say childish, but sometimes that's how it comes across is how childish some of the people get with their opinions. And uh, I was watching Dark Side of the Ring earlier and on Dark Side of the Ring, there was the big argument between Russo and Cornette where Russo was like, it's just wrestling, dude, or it's just wrestling, bro. And Cornette's like, it's the most important thing I've ever had in my life. And I'm like, that's the IWC right there, quintessential in a nutshell, is you've got half the people that are like, I just really like wrestling, but it's wrestling. And then you've got people like Bobby, I mean, Jim Cornette, and uh, they're like, <laughs> uh, wrestling is my life, and that's all I have. And it's just, I, it's I just... mean, you have me too, because like, I, I want to get signed by New Japan. So, like, you know, I want to get there again. <laughs> no, so, I mean, it, it is my life. <laughs> that's ultimately, I mean, look, I quit working in a kitchen ever... blindly after almost 20 years to pursue this. Like, yeah, yeah. people make ridiculous decisions, but. Like it's, it's never bad if you want to do it. And I've always said, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, but it's just, it's just crazy to me some ways. Um, moving down my list, uh, this one is for you and Bobby, uh, Marie. So recently there was some new IWGP tag team champions crowned with Chase Owens. Uh, Bobby, you have a connection with Chase Owens and Marie, I know you have, uh, I love I hate relationship. Yeah, yeah, I love hate relationship. We'll call it that. <laughs> so uh, oh, let's deep dive in that. Uh, <laughs> Bobby, well, let's uh, let's start with let's let's start with Marie. Marie, you go first. Uh, Chase Owens win the IWGB Tag Titles. I am just gonna do this in character, just so that you don't get upset. And he doesn't get upset. No, uh, d- don't worry about like, not. No, get make people upset. Bro, I don't care. <laughs> uh, okay, good, good. Because he's Chase funny. <laughs> Oh, he owes you money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So here it goes. Fuck Chase. There we go. You know, yeah. a lot of women say that. <laughs> <laughs> From the, the first time I met Chase, um, he just actually started. Like, I think I'm, I might've met him his rookie year, um, mm-hmm. straight from Virginia, uh, being a high school or yeah, high school uh, state champion in wrestling. Um, he was, his manager was Ashley Hope, uh, which means nothing to anybody unless you're in East, East Tennessee. Um, but they were boyfriend, girlfriend. And yeah, uh, Chase would have her dress in lingerie to come out to the ring um, to help get over. Uh, he um, He's an interesting guy. I can't say I dislike Chase. I really, we, you know, his, his dog, he had to put his dog down a couple of days ago. And, um, oh. you know, that was sad because I've actually met his dog a couple of times. Um, but yeah, uh, Chase, 
I was in Virginia visiting my grandmother and there was a WWE show and Chase was booked as a extra. He was losing, I think, to Ryback in one of those um, matches where Ryback used to have where like it was a handicap match. And uh, Chase, again, him and I always got along. Um, we got in maybe one or two fights over some girls, but uh, arguments, not fights. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he came to my grandmother's house and he shaved and he didn't clean up his shavings out of the bathroom like sink what? and i was like dude i was like i was like what is your problem bro and he's like oh i didn't know i had to clean that up i was like i'm not your maid like but yeah um yeah chase he's a unique he's a unique person yeah he is man um i i was supporting him on on twitch one night you know uh because i was like oh you know if, if i support him on twitch maybe i can like you know help out more like behind the scenes or whatever because you know my background is that i'm an ex WWE employee so like you know i have some like you know i just love wrestling and all that kind of stuff um so you know i was helping him out for a while um i even pushed the thing that you know when he had jay white on his show on his twitch channel and stuff um and all that kind of stuff so um you know after all that um i remember i had put out a tweet Oh, um, by the way, um, you're getting this as a first scoop. Like I never told this story at all. So, so, so this is so. So this is breaking news. It's breaking news. Um, by by this point, I haven't blocked, so I really don't care anymore. Um, so like I, I remember I had tweeted out uh, because uh, I was still in love with AEW, and um, I was saying that you know with all the guys that AEW has they should like shift them out to like New Japan and like go on New Japan strong so that way they could just get their reps in and have like matches or whatever, right? And like if New Japan management is like, oh, you know, let them win a title, let them win a title. I was like, you know, they can handle that shit. So I put that out as like, you know, trying to manifest it into the world. Uh, He comes into my DMs and he just starts some shit with me. And I'm like, bro, like I didn't say anything wrong. He was telling me that I was like shitting on New Japan. And I'm like, bro, I fucking love New Japan. Like I support you. I support everyone else. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, what are you, what is this? Like, where is this coming from? And we're just going like, you know? not again. My fucking, like, you guys can still hear me, right? Yeah, we can still yeah. hear you. You're good. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my, yeah, <laughs> whatever you do, don't, don't fucking clip that guys. That's, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but my camera went out. See, this is what happens when I get like too passionate about this shit. That like, oh, there, there goes my Zoom meeting. Uh, Chase, we're all gonna Chase, his, on Chase. Chase has always these connections. This is this yes. is what we're gonna do. This is Chase's fault, one hundred percent. Japanese connections, bro. He's like all over the internet. <laughs> it is right. Um, I guess you guys can still hear me. It says that it's not responding, but um, we'll just see. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're just going back and forth on one nine. Like I, I told him that dude, I don't know why you're starting anything. Like, you know, I, I, I don't want an argument. Like, I hope you're okay. Like, I hope you're fine. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, and then I just left it as that. And then we never talked again um, because I wasn't like dealing with his fucking. And then like, I, I blocked him because uh, he had a tag uh, Bryce Rensburg when I was like, yo, why does, why, why does Bryce have to move around the ring? Like, you know, he's over dramatic and shit. So I was just like, yo, I'm done with his bullshit. So that's it. That's the story. <laughs> Allison. Do you even know who Chase Owens is? Uh, Does anybody? No. <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! Uh, so wait, wait. Uh, well, I know him because I've heard Bobby tell this story before about the shaving. The yeah. shaving story. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's he's one of my boys, but same time I'm just like, it's it's like having like a younger brother that you just like you realize you've got to make excuses for, and oh, you know, it's okay, it's okay, like. 
Chase learned from Ricky Morton. Like, he had one of the best teachers ever. Yes. Um, you know, Les Thatcher. Um, Ricky Morton, backstory, is not a fan of Easy Money, who's from ECW. Because ECW, to Ricky's opinion, is they didn't tell stories in the ring. They were just spot monkeys. And Chase understood that. But at the same time, Chase would go to Easy's house and learn those spots. Because he wanted to learn that stuff. But he always did it behind Punky's back as he was doing it. And, you know, it's all these like inside things. Like, again, Chase is a great wrestler. Like he really is. Like he put in the time he's learned the craft. Um, is he good on the microphone? No. Does he have a good body? No. Is he going to make it to WWE? I hope he does maybe one day. Um, but at the same time, you know, Chase in New Japan, he found his niche and he came a long way from where he started in East Tennessee. So I'm proud of the guy. Um, but yeah, am I going to lend Chase any money tomorrow and expect to get it back? No. Okay. Something went crazy There's with the screen there. there. And now Bobby and Marie are switched places on my, my Twitch stream. Oh, you, you know, you could rearrange us, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. That's what, when, okay. when I switched your camera went out and when you left the meeting and I put oh, the yeah, new yeah, camera yeah. in, you and Bobby switched places. I mean, I, I didn't like that face that I made when it stopped, so. <laughs> it wasn't the worst face. I mean. I know, but still, it could have <laughs> been much worse. I just recently watched a movie called Host, and uh, uh, it's a really random tangent to go on, but I love horror movies. And uh -huh. Host was about a group of people that were on Zoom doing a seance. And it was very reminiscent of that movie because all we heard was you talking and then your screen froze on your face. And I was like, I've seen this in a movie very recently. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Chase Owens, moving on from that. This is another one that I'm going to ask you guys about in AEW. This is a hot topic right now online between everybody. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there and anybody can jump in on it. What do you think about AEW's introduction of a trios championship because everybody seems to think it's coming down the pipe what do you guys think about a trios title in aw well Tony Khan said he already made it so it's, it's already happening. there yeah he, he 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 said it in another interview because all he does is interviews is that um you know uh he has it he made it but he's just waiting for the right time to uh bring it up bobby yeah, belts are created um I hate the word trios. What like, would you want to call it? I, uh, the six man tag oh, team like, title. Oh, like, like, oh, like New Japan? Yeah, like they did in New Japan, like they did in the NWA, like they did in, um, oh. uh, yeah, uh, let's see, uh, WCCW did it as well. Uh, with Devon Eriks won it, uh, Freebirds won it. Um, so it's been around. Like there was a NWA six man tag team championship back in the day, like Dusty and the Road Warriors had it at one point. The um, Russians had it at one point. So it's been around. Like this trios thing, I just don't get like trios. Like if you want to be unique, okay. But I don't know, like just, I don't know. I just don't get the trios title um, or just the name of it. Uh, I think it's a unique idea, especially now that you don't have, you know, great tag, you know, you don't have great tag teams in WWE. You have really good tag teams in AEW. Um, I think it's a unique idea. I think it'll be fun. Um, I think what they're waiting for is Omega to come back mm -hmm. so they can split um, the, whatever, what are they called now? The, the Undisputed Elite. Yeah. yeah the, Undisputed Elite. So 
Yeah, yeah especially if uh, Roderick Strong uh, comes back too and can get out of the contract. So yeah, I, I think it's a unique idea. Um, it'll be fun, I guess. Um, and it also gives more people more time to work. Allison, what do you think about trios titles in AEW? I mean, with as oversaturated as their roster is, at least gives something else for people to fight for and more story, you know, more opportunity to build, you know, deeper storylines. So, I mean, I'm here for it if it's going to actually create good content. I, I can get behind that. I don't think AEW necessarily has an issue. They've only got their world title, the TNT title, their tag titles, then on the women's side, the women's title, and the TBS title. So that's five okay. titles. So if they introduce a trios title, that's only going to be six titles total in the company, which I feel like is okay right now. But Are we counting Ring of Honor titles too? No, just AEW okay. specific titles. I know Ring of Honor's got the TV title, their tag titles. Yeah, yeah. Their, I mean, they've got another four or five, but just AEW specific titles. Right now, they have five. If they introduce the trios, that'll be six. And I think they have a roster large enough to support six titles. I think yeah. I would rather see the trios title than them introduce a second mid card title because I feel like the TNT title right now is still fighting for relevancy. So I feel like if they do introduce a second mid-card title, it's going to cause the same problem that the IC title and US title have in WWE, which is where they've slowly lost all of their relevancy because of kind of the same thing. Like there's too many people on screen. Like you don't really see these long like defending reigns. Like Nakamura held the IC title for 12 months and defended it three times in 12 months. Yeah. So I don't want to see AEW make that same mistake. I think if they want to introduce another set of titles, trios titles make sense, especially with them having set up as many stables and tag team groups and stuff as they have. I mean, the gun club, the house of black, the undisputed yeah. elite. Uh, I mean, that's just the, the big ones that are running off. And then you don't even think about things like the dark order and best friends or good friends or whatever the hell Orange Cassidy's group is called. It's uh, best friends. Best friends. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just hope they don't turn it into like a Freebird rule title. Like I hope it's like legit to three people and that's it. So yeah, not, I like, think we're that. A group, like, yeah, like where the Dark Order comes in, they can be like, oh, any of these guys can go. I mean, the Dark, like to me, the Dark Order would be the only exception just to like, um, create different types of stories and create different types of like angles um, and then you could uh, you know us fans can definitely just uh, like you know debate about it and be like oh you know that you know that's not right or whatever uh, what I would like is that if they do introduce the trios title that it does not follow the rankings because I'm tired of like people waiting in line until they get to number one to challenge for a title when like, you know, the number third, the number three person should be like with a chip on their shoulder and be like, oh, no, nah, I'm skipping the rest of you guys. You guys don't deserve this. Like, you know, how is it that this person is number one when they're fighting on dark and no one knows about it, but that part, but the, the number three person is fighting on dynamite and like everyone knows that person. Like, why is there no type of storyline with the, with the rankings? when it comes to like these titles, but I would not want uh, the trios title to be part of the rankings. I really want um, all the three man teams in AEW to go at it at like a free for all and like really tell your story of like, nah, we beat your ass last week. Like get to the back of the line. Like we're good here or whatever and create those like builds leading up to it. No, I totally agree. Like I, I've never seen dark. Like I'm not watching like, and I, when NXT was on 
the internet, I didn't watch NXT, and I missed probably the best part of NXT. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you did absolutely. I don't get Tony, yeah, I don't get Tony Khan's whole thing with the dark thing. Like, um, you know, I I catch Dynamite, I watch Rampage here and there, um, and I enjoy like when I watch Rampage, I think it's really good. Like, I know a lot of people complain about it, but an hour long show is perfect. Like, it's just like boom, boom, boom. Oh my god, it's over. Um, dark, I don't seek it out. Like, I. I don't like, and I never have. I've never watched one of the episodes. So them telling stories on dark, I know they're trying to draw people to it, but I don't know where the, all the money is on that part of it. Like where the business perspective is and the big screen perspective, like what fans are they? Like they, they're, they're just drawing the hardcore fans that are always there. Um, mm-hmm. They're not developing any new fans with dark. Yeah. totally. I totally agree with that. Um, but I will say that, uh, when AEW first started, like that first year, Dark was really amazing. Um, and then like it just fell off. I just watched today specifically before I was uh, getting online. I watched through some old YouTube videos and Dark stuff because I was watching the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, uh-huh. I saw a gif on Twitter of the three of them simultaneously beating the shit out of three random guys. And I was like, mm-hmm. huh. Okay, I obviously know Brian Danielson and I know uh, Mox super well. I follow both their careers, but I didn't know a whole lot about Wheeler Yuta. One, Wheeler Yuta apparently dominated the indies for a long time. Like, the deeper down that rabbit hole I went, like, he was everywhere on the indies. He was also an IWTV independent wrestling world champion at one point, too. Shout out to those guys. I just had AC Mack on yesterday as well. Uh, The IWTV... TV independent world title is everywhere. And I really, really like, I won't go too far off. I like what IWTV is doing right now with the indies because it reminds me of what the NWA did in the fifties. They're taking all of these independent promotions, putting them under one big umbrella and going, here's a way to market to the entire country. You see what I mean? Like they're putting everything under this umbrella. So different conversation for a different subject, but back to Wheeler Yuta. Um, I was going down there and I didn't realize the amount of matches they had on dark and dark elevation for a one hour show. It'll be 60 minutes and it'll be 45 to 50 minutes of matches nonstop. And they just run through them. Um, Allison turning this to you, when we saw dynamite, that was the first time you had been to an AEW show. What did you think about seeing dynamite and then them immediately rolling into a taping of rampage and getting both experiences of the show because Rampage was very much match, 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 done, whereas Dynamite was this big elaborate production. What were your opinions on those two? I mean, it was definitely cool. Like, seeing the the changeover in between was kind of neat, just, like, the subtle differences that they do make in the set. Um, but it it is interesting how they do it because there's not a whole lot of fanfare with those matches. It's Here's the matches. There's really no promo. The one, at least the one that they did in Nashville, like there, there was no promos between each match. It was like, here's a match, here's a match, here's a match. So, I mean, it was definitely cool. You know, with Dark and stuff, like with being on YouTube, they don't have to, you know, deal with advertisers. So they can do all these matches and not have to, stop for this and stop for that so i mean that's that is one bit of it i i don't have time in my week to sit down and watch dark i just don't 
Um, but I mean, I can see the appeal of it. It's just not. I just don't, with as much wrestling as there is on TV right now. Like I just don't have the time for it. So. How much wrestling a week do you think you guys watch? I mean, I, I, because we're doing fantasy and stuff <laughs> like, <laughs> which Bobby is now playing, whether he knows it or not, by the way. Oh yeah. Bobby, do you want to, <laughs> Never mind. No, I need to send you a, a text. <laughs> You're playing fantasy now, Bobby. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk about this. Anywho. Um, I'm watching all of them now. NXT, I um, fast forward through. Like I see, like I'll watch the beginning of a promo and the ends of matches, so I can like add up our points. But I mean, today I was catching up on everything. I literally watched five hours of wrestling today. Holy shit, Bobby! How much wrestling a week do you watch? Um, live wrestling is probably an hour, hour and a half, two hours maybe. Um, old school or just like network stuff like on the WWE, like probably like 10 hours a week. So maybe a couple hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, like I go on Peacock all the time um, and just watch stuff. Like um, the interview with Cody and Stone Cold was amazing. Uh, I haven't watched that yet. uh, It's, it's good. Again, I'm not a Cody fan, even a little bit. Yeah. But he, he, as pretentious as he comes off, he, he you know, start, I'm starting to buy his stuff, which is weird. Like, cause his wife, one, I cannot stand. Um, and normally him, I can't stand very much, but he's becoming more likable, which I never thought I'd be able to say. Um, but yeah, like I, I watch, like, I'll hear like, you know, somebody mention a match or something like on a podcast or whatever. And like, I'll go back and start watching those matches. So. Yeah, like, uh, then I end up watching the next match, the next match, the next match. So, yeah. Uh, Marie, what about you? How much wrestling a week do you watch? I have no idea, man. I stopped counting, but um, if we really want to just think about this, um, I basically covered the whole entire G1 of last year. So those New Japan shows are, like, maybe three to four hours depending so like you know give or take everyone out there can do the math but like to give you an idea because i i cover uh like the big freaking events of new japan those things take a lot out of my fucking time uh just so that way i can at least provide people with some entertainment or update about like you know this is what's going on this is this this is that and then not not even to mention to like get on to do the live streams and then watch the backstage comments with my community and stuff like that. So extra. So I, I do it. I do it all. Let's just say 100. So that way I could be the unique one. 100. <laughs> 100. <laughs> um, I watch wrestling seven days a week. And that varies on what type of wrestling I watch because... Uh, I don't watch, in most cases, I won't watch Raw or SmackDown or Dynamite Live. I don't like commercials. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, the, the wrestling that I cover isn't necessarily live wrestling. So I don't feel as pressed to watch it live. But I still watch Raw. I still watch SmackDown. I still watch Dynamite every week, even though I don't watch them on Monday night, Wednesday night, or Friday night. I'll watch you know Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is typically my schedule. But I still watch live. Um, With Bobby, the way he is with Peacock, I've recently started to be that way on Fight. 
with the NWA or IWTV with the Indies. Um, I'm really finding myself going on this tangent where I'm breaking away from the two big mainstream uh, promotions. And Marie, you and I talked about this a little bit when you were on the show when we did the IWGP Intercontinental title. Uh, This Uh past Wrestle Kingdom was my first big exposure to what New Japan brought to the table, and I loved it. I thought top to bottom, night one and night two could have been a top pay-per-view in WWE or AEW with how well the show was put together, how well the matches were produced. Um, Same thing with AAA. Uh, I'm finding that there's so much other good wrestling than WWE and AEW that I'm trying to catch up on 20 years of history in New Japan or 50 years of history in New Japan and 25, 30 years of history in AAA where I grew up in the American South and it was WCW or WWE and that was it. There was nothing else. Um, So I'm, I'm watching a lot of wrestling, but I'm not watching a lot of WWE or AW wrestling right now, if that makes any sense. Um, moving on on my list, uh, this one is for Allison. I know it's super fresh, and we're going to go around the circle for this one. Do you think Darby Allen and Jeff Hardy went too hard for free TV? No, you- because it's the two of them. And I feel like that the energy that both of them give off is, uh, you know, go big or go home. You know, the Hardys have both said like, this is going to be their last, you know, go at it. So, I mean, why not give every match everything? Uh, how I feel about it. Marie, what do you think about Darby and, um, Jeff Hardy's match this past Wednesday? Um, because they were in New York. When you come to New York, you have to go big or go home. There's no ifs, ands, or buts because here in New York, we just do these a little bit differently. So, you know, as much as I don't like the fact that they went like super hardcore, I'm not really surprised that they did because, you know, even if Darby Allen was not facing Jeff Hardy, this dude is going to sacrifice his fucking life for no fucking reason. Like he is like a cat that's like living on borrowed time because he wants to live on borrowed time. Um, I'm just really over the fact that Darby doesn't take into consideration, like, you know, his life and his health because any wrong move, especially with him jumping off the ladder the way that he did. And even though he sort of landed on the chairs, like maybe okay, but like, you know, you never know, man, like one wrong, like little degree and like you moving and like physics like it could have paralyzed them. It could have like, you know, traumatized or like whatever, like, you know, it could have, it could have got him out of commission. Like, you know, I'm just so over not really caring about Darby Allen because he doesn't care about his life. Um, and then Jeff Hardy doesn't need to do any more hardcore stuff. Like he doesn't need to fly off of things uh, just because like, you know, he has to, but see, this is the problem with AEW fans and the way that AEW has been built. Uh, when you do, when you give into the expectation of the fans of all the spots, you put yourself into a corner and you have to do it every time and you have to deliver. And that's why, you know, the fans are not really growing. That's why they're staying at their, at their rating. So, yeah. Bobby. That coffin teardrop was stupid. Um, the first time I ever saw that thing, it was Chris Richard versus Robbie Casty in Tennessee. And it was just simply a suplex. Um, and the storyline was uh, the champion, Robbie Cassidy, was going to be out for like months or months or months from that drop. Um, 
it's a it's a big spot like it's a good looking spot um from where he did it was stupid like that was that was dangerous like i totally agree with everybody like it was dangerous like when he jumped i saw one in slow motion where i saw jeff put his hands up and you know try to protect him but that was even dangerous for jeff and i don't think that they should take those kind of like those kind of things like i don't care if it's paid review or if it's free tv um you know jeff's got a history of this like i saw him at a, a spot show in tennessee where he legit we didn't ask him to do it he set up a table and went through a table from the top rope like he does stuff just to do it and this match i really feel like he could really help darby on coaching him on hey you know what guy you're going to be really sore in about five years, 10 years. Down. And he needs to mentor this guy because Darby Allen is, he's a jackass. Like he's looking for that jackass pop. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to make it to Johnny Knoxville's age if he doesn't slow down. Yeah. Um, you want to know what he posted earlier on Twitter? Uh, he, he's in the skate park uh, riding a skateboard. And I'm like, bro, is your hip? Like, okay, why are you riding a skateboard? Like, I, I, you know, in my head, I'm like, I, I know he doesn't take, like, ibuprofen and, like, Motrin and stuff. Um, But I'm here, like, did you take that in order for you to, like, ride around on a skateboard? What is, what is this guy? <laughs> yeah, like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you need to do something. Yes. And that's where Darby, I think, needs to understand as he's growing older. And, again, he's surrounded by all these veterans. He's got Sting. He's got the Hardy Boys. Um, yeah. You know, granted, Sting didn't do a lot in his career, like, you know, high, you know, high risk, but the Hardys did. And I think they need to educate this guy on, you know, you're already over. Slow down. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But, you know, unfortunately, I think I forgot who said it in the interview that um, I think I think it was um, freaking uh, Billy Gunn. He said that, you know, uh, nobody really goes to the veterans and asks them for advice, man. Like, you know, well, you know. Here's a tip for all the uh, veterans at AW. Don't wait for the young guys to go to you because they think that they know shit and they really don't know anything. So, you know, you go to them and you like nag them in their ear and be like, bro, I've did this before you. Like, fucking listen to me. I would do that. But I think, I would. yeah, and like, I, I totally agree with that. Like, but I think one of the things like working on the indie circuit you get is the veterans are there. Yeah. And they expect you to come to them and ask and talk and like, they they don't offer advice from my from my experience. They don't yeah, offer yeah. advice. They will give it to you when you ask them. Like Al Snow, for example. Yeah. When yeah. I mispronounced his name after the show, I went to him and said, "Hey, you know what can I do to improve?" And he gave me some really good advice. But he wasn't going to give me that advice like out of his own. Like he wasn't going to seek me out. You've got to seek these veterans out, and that's how you're going to learn. And that's the history of professional wrestling is you've got to the veterans are teachers that aren't getting paid yeah but they're willing to teach well you see the the uh la- the latina in me like would just go to them and be like yo stop being stupid we gotta talk about this this is how you're gonna get over <laughs> like i don't have a problem with that like if i know that like you know this is why sometimes my passion comes out a little bit more because it's like you're hurting yourself you're shorting your career and i want like every wrestler out there to get over some way somehow and if like one way isn't working then fine we'll talk about it so that way i could be like hey let me be that like out of the box thinker for you like you know i would definitely be like hey you know let's do this let's do that you know i I would do that 
I agree. Uh, I think any like parent is like that too. Like we're just like, hey, you know, let me help you, let me guide you, you know, let me let me teach you. But the the guys that are you know the veterans in pro wrestling, even though they're parents, it's they they're there for a job and yeah. they're not there for anything else. They're they're not there to develop anybody unless somebody wants to be developed. That's true too. Uh, piggybacking on a couple points. Um, I agree with you, Bobby, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And it's mm-hmm. really rare that I'm going to say those words on air. It is May 12th, a Thursday night. <laughs> Bobby and I agreed about professional wrestling. I think that, um, the Darby Hardy thing, in my opinion is if you're going to do big match spots, then think of it from a payout perspective. You want to save those mm-hmm. big spots for when the payout's going to happen. Um, should If this is the only chance these two are going to go at it, it makes sense then because this might be the only you know Jeff Hardy-Darby Allen match we get. And if it is, then great, we got a banger out of it. But I wrote down, furniture is great if it's part <laughs> of the story, not forced to be. So when it comes down to it, I feel like if you're going to do a chair spot, great. Uh, don't take away from the match because Jeff has to oversell so that you have time to set up eight chairs in the middle of the ring. You see what mm. I mean? Like it, make it yep. seem fluid, make the furniture seem and appear natural as part of your story. Don't force a square peg into a round hole. And I feel like a lot of the, the high spots in AEW, that's what they do. They look great. Uh, case in point would be the Andrade Cody Rhodes match with the flaming table. Like that bump would have looked great without the flames, but they did it just to kind of be the high spot to put it over. And I feel like Darby setting up within the first 90 seconds of the match, uh, knocking Jeff Hardy out, then setting up the eight chairs on the outside. It seemed like such a process. And it was like, it took away from the story they were telling when they didn't have to do it. Uh, so Allison, sorry, Allison and I were part of a podcast a couple of days ago in the chat and this whole this topic was brought up right allison mm-hmm. yeah. what about it <laughs> um i vigorously like agree with you will like you yeah. when you when you watch when you watch a movie you don't set up the chicken coops in the back of the truck to watch the car go through it you don't mm-hmm. see that part you just see the chicken coop truck driving and the guys that were on there, the indie guys that are on there, that hopefully Allison will get us on with them. They were like totally disagreeing with me that no, no, it's okay to take 20 minutes to set up a spot because the no, fans are going to enjoy the spot. No, I think and I don't even to- think they understood what you were even trying to say. Like I don't think that they actually even got it. I don't think they wanted to get it. Like it's yeah. it's like how Orton. Sorry. I can't hear you, so it's it's like it's like no, no, now I can. It's like how Orton Orton set up that turnbuckle, losing like loosening the turnbuckle in that match against um, AJ, and then later on it happened. But you almost forgot about it by the time it happened, and it was so nonchalant that he did it. That's how you set up a spot. You don't sit out there for thirty minutes, twenty minutes, ten minutes, five minutes a minute and a half setting up six chairs to create this spot that you're looking backwards, looking backwards, looking yeah, backwards yeah. to make sure you're going to land. Right. Sorry. Also, well, I didn't mean to interrupt. 
Uh, uh, but also the other thing to to add on is that it's also uh, the the production truck's uh, job too to not give away that secret. So like if the camera is on that, it it's just switched to something else. Like you know, I because Matt Hardy was out there, so like you know why I don't know, I don't know why can't Matt be like yo Jeff go go go? What? I don't know. But like you don't look at what's happening in the setup. You have to go look at something else. No, like a manager, like that's where a manager yeah. comes into play. Like yep. the, the side piece that's not the main focus. Like that's yep. where that sets up. And if you've got your brother out there, shouldn't your brother be stopping this or like walk over and start, every time you set up a chair and go back in the ring, just start knocking the chairs down? Yeah, but I think someone online or something like that brought it up that like the AW managers, like the managers that they have, including like, you know, Matt Hardy, if he's going to be a manager for now, uh, for the sake of this conversation, uh, they're just there. They don't do anything. They don't do what managers back in the, back in the old days used to do. You know, like they're just there. I completely agree with that statement. Um, the lack of growth in the management department. I feel like that is a genre of superstar, if that makes sense. That isn't being developed at all right now. Is you other than Heyman and MVP and a couple guys in New Japan. Uh, yeah, your boy Dick Togo. Uh, like I can only name like a handful of like established managers in the business right now because they're. I don't feel like they're developing managers the way they used to in the old days. And yeah, I would uh, almost argue though with with Heyman. Heyman's not doing much outside the ring anymore. Like, yeah, he's not, the but, Like he's, yeah. he's 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 no longer a mouthpiece because Roman's talking. And when he's there for the match, he's. I think honestly, I think Heyman's calling the matches in the ring, or calling the matches outside the ring. Like I feel like, I feel like that's Heyman's purpose at this point is getting Roman to that next step, Usos to that next step. I don't feel like Heyman is Heyman's not the true. He's no longer Paulie Dangerously. Um, yeah, I can see he, that. He's yeah, he's now Paul Heyman. But I, I, I legitimately, I think he's calling the matches outside the ring. Hmm. Allison, what do you think? I mean. I agree. Like, um, as far as like going back to what Bobby was talking about and Marie too, about like not seeing the setup of stuff like earlier, I was showing uh, the kids I'm babysitting uh, TLC too. And there's so much stuff set up in that match, but like you don't see it being set mm -hmm. up. And so, you know, like other people are there doing it or like, even if it is the wrestler, <clears throat> they're not the focus at that time. So you're not like, oh, well, this is probably going to happen. You know, I definitely think, you know, it takes away. And, you know, on UWO the other night, like the guys were talking about how it, it doesn't take away and it adds to the story. No, it makes the story unbelievable because Jeff Hardy wouldn't have laid there for the two minutes that it took to set up all those stupid chairs. Yeah. So, for sure. Completely agree. Um, I think that losing the story for the sake of a spot is not the thing. Um, you have to have all the components of the story. So your facials and the ref and your moveset and your opponent and the crowd and all of these things and timing and your cadence and everything that goes into putting together a wrestling match. And when you look at the big picture, if you focus on one aspect of that 
and it goes from being an even balanced equation to where all you're worried about is that cheap pop, then you're going to mm -hmm. sacrifice another part of the story and the process to make that happen. And I don't care how fluid you are in it. If you look at the most fluid death matches that went over, and in my opinion, TLC2 is a perfect example of that because they did great high spots with big bumps, but they didn't take away from the production value of the match. And you said it right, Allison. They didn't take the time to watch, to have you watch them set up four and six tables at a time. They did it with the, the production truck. Marie, touching on what you said, like all three of you had really great points to show how if you do it in a match, you can do so and not distract and take away from what's happening on screen if you do it the right way in the production side of it. And I think that is another side of it that has to be handled properly because if it's not produced well, you can take shitty wrestling and make it look okay with good production value. It's hard to take, you know, shitty wrestling and make it look good if you have shitty production value as well. So I feel like it's easier to make it look better if you take the time to produce it. And if you move from camera to camera, so you keep that shot out, then you see how much better it looks when all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, where'd those chairs come from? Oh look, Darby's jumping off of something real high again. Like it's easier to believe if you don't see you know, nobody wants to see the, the cheese being made. They just want to eat it, you know? Yep. That's that's the long and the short of it right there. Is That's the best way to say it. Nobody wants yeah. to watch you make it, make it. They just want to eat it. Um, so I've got... Very chef of you. Hey, right? It's always a food reference. Look, yeah. food and pop culture. It's about the only things. Um, <laughs> so looking down my list, Marie, I'm going to start with you on this one. AJ Styles, Finn Balor. Crossing paths in AEW. What are your opinions on this? And having a chance to see it again, uh, they've been on screen a couple times now. Do you think WWE is going to do anything long term with these two guys together? I don't know because the last time that they tried putting AJ and Finn together, it was just to do like, um, like a version of the Bullet Club, um, and then like uh, Gallows and Anderson were like part of it too in a way uh but they did it to like quiet down all of the marks out there so like you know i don't really see it going too too long however i do want a fantasy book right now and i do want to manifest this even though it's not gonna it's not gonna come to light it's really not but if anything taught us in 2022 because it's been fucking crazy <laughs> if uh wwe was able to get mickey james as a knockout champion um at uh the warrior rumble then maybe they can ship uh, AJ Styles and Finn Balor over to the Forbidden Door for like a one night only to do some shit with uh, Jay White and um, Hick and like Hikaleo and the rest of the Bullet Club because I, I really think there has to be a really big crossover with all the guys and everything coming together, almost all the guys, um, you know, because we still got the, you know, the Japanese side of Bullet Club in, in Japan. Um, but yeah, I, I would really love a crossover for a one night only just to bring them over. Let the magic happen. Tony Khan, don't you fucking have your hand in it. Okay. <laughs> don't have your hand in it. Let the magic happen because, you know, Bullet Club is still my boys. Despite fucking Jay White kicking out, uh, G.O.D. He should have kicked out Chase. Chase is the fucking leakest, uh, weakest link of the fucking group, <laughs> but he should, he should kick them out. Um, rather than like Tama and, 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 uh, Lower because Tom and Lower are the fucking backbone. But yeah, uh, I would like that. So let's see what let's see if it happens. Bobby. Um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's open. Uh, I think that WWE is just capitalizing on the whole Bullet Club revival right now. Um, yes. It's, it's, I'm not a fan of Bullet Club. I, you know, it's an NWO ripoff. It's a DX ripoff. It's, you know, loving, it's loving 90s wrestling and, you know, just taking it and, you know, too sweet and everything else. Um, yeah, their shirts are cool. They sell. Um, I honestly, I don't watch New Japan, so um, I don't know a lot about New Japan. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that they're going to capitalize on it. I also feel like with a demon character that maybe this is Finn's opportunity to finally like, break away and like actually get a push in WWE. Other yeah. than that, you know, world title, you know, victory that he got that lasted 24 hours for his injury. Um, I, I hope that for Finn. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't have a lot of vested interest in the Bullet Club unless there's more than two guys. And I think that, you know, you bring in uh, Gallows and Anderson, then I'm then I'm interested. Um, if you bring in, you know, the Forbidden Door, I'm interested then. Um, but just the two of them together, you know, the the captains of the club, I don't know. Like, if, is, is that, is that going to be the shirt that they sell? Uh, if it is trademark right now, yellow shoe guy. Um, but yeah, like, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I I, I just don't I, I don't know that much about Bullet Club and yeah. their involvement to get excited about them, other than them going too sweet, which I've seen Nash and Hall do for thirty years or twenty years. Allison, what do you think about Styles and Balor? Um, I can't really speak much about the Bullet Club because my uh because you've been wrestling... watching wrestling for like five minutes <laughs> listen i i feel like i have grown a vast knowledge i can at least mildly keep up with the three of you i at least know what you're talking about i know what the bullet club yeah she is. does <laughs> yeah i know what the bullet so you've club been hot, is so you've been hot topics. yeah she's been <laughs> the hot topic so she knows the bullet club. <laughs> listen i mean i'm getting better and i you know whatever I'm just happy that they're finally like giving Finn something to do because I really like him. Um, I'm not a super huge fan of AJ Styles. Uh, I have said that I feel like he just has a Napoleon complex. <laughs> um, I feel the, sa the same about AJ Styles as I do Kenny Omega. Like, I just don't care. Like, and I know that's like the most unpopular thing I could probably say. And it has my dislike of them has absolutely zero merit um it has nothing to do with their in-ring abilities at all i just don't like them i don't know I get like i just don't like them <laughs> i like, get that with kenny it's the yeah. the spray on hair that drips down his face that's atrocious and yeah aj's just got little man syndrome but i do love finn balor with my whole heart so Yay for Finn Balor. So I hope they I hope they don't like squash him like they usually do. I yeah. I have a friend that has completely stopped watching anything WWE because of what they've done to Finn Balor. Mm. Uh tagging along, I think Styles and Balor was written in the stars years ago, agreeing with Marie. They've tried it once before and then it fizzled out. Um, I think WWE has tried to stay away from doing anything Bullet Club branded for so long because it wasn't a WWE thing. They're not going to want to bring over somebody else's stable to Connecticut. There's not gonna, they're not going to want to do it. That's why Prince Devitt became 
you know, Finn Balor, AJ Styles kept his name, but it was one of the few guys that didn't come over and immediately have the WWE identity crisis. Um, so I feel like... But he them, didn't get over right away. I think Finn Balor, since he came into WWE, I think his best run was when he went back to NXT the second time and won the NXT title then. Uh, I think that was his best run in the company because I think that's when he felt most like Finn. Uh, when I've seen his tape from New Japan, when he was still the prince, he was that like uh, that raspy, just get in there and like beat the shit out of him, get the job done, do the job right kind of guy. And I feel like when he went down to NXT, that was his opinions on it and the way he approached it. It was get in, get out, do the job. Uh, the hill turn when he uh, uh, when he took out Gargano right when he debuted like I thought everything about what he did in his second NXT run was gold. Uh, him coming back up to the main roster, I agree with Allison. I feel like they're just kind of shuffling him around. He's been lost in the mix. Uh, so hopefully, him and AJ will get some kind of a push and get them both in relevancy again. So, yeah. No, agreed. Like. Uh... I, I'm not a big like I'm not a big Balor fan. Like I think he's too small, um, honestly, for WWE. Uh, he's he's a good worker, but to me, he's I don't know. He's I guess like looking back twenty or thirty years ago, he'd probably be an enhancement talent. I think I put Finn a lot of the same size category that I do like Adam Cole and Ricky Starks. Those yeah. mid-sized guys that can work with big guys as the little guys or they can work with little luchadors and be the big guys. Those mid-sized wrestlers. And uh, I know Adam and Finn and even Ricky Starts are on the smaller size of the mid-sized wrestlers. I feel like they have it harder than some of the other guys do because if you're real big, everything you do is real big. If you're a small luchador, everything you do is like a luchador. You're small, you're quick, everything. But if you're in that yeah, yeah. mid-size and sometimes you've got to be the big guy and sometimes you've got to be the little guy, you literally have to be able to do both. So that's how I feel like Ricky Starks, Adam Cole, um, some of these guys have that same, and Finn Balor being one of them, have that that in-betweener approach to it where they they have to be two different types of wrestlers sometimes. So I feel like they get a short end of the stick, but a big Balor fan. I think he deserves more than what he's gotten recently in the WWE for sure. Yeah, makes sense. All right, you guys, that's the end of my list right now. So we're coming to the fun part. Marie, I'm going to start with you. Plug your stuff. Tell everybody where you're at and what you've got going. All right, cool. So again, I'm Marie Shadows. This was fun. I want to be on here again. This was like super fun. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Marie underscore Shadows. Uh, you can find me on my own Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Marie underscore shadows, where I talk about wrestling and even get even more uh, hot takes on there. Um, I just opened up a brand new newsletter over at Substack. So go to marieshadows.substack.com to read my write-up on Kota Ibushi and the whole New Japan drama that's been uh, happening um, over there. And if you like the article, you could donate, click that button, and it'll take you to www.ko-fi.com forward slash Marie underscore shadows. Miss Allison, you're up. Plug your oh. stuff. Um, so my stuff is really terrible wrestling takes. Uh, you can <laughs> follow me on Twitter at JessaGirl918. Uh, I pretty much uh, just post trash and selfies. So, I mean, follow <laughs> me. 
Uh, don't follow me. It's whatever. But follow Botch Spots and Chair Shots. And f- please follow Bobby so we can get him at least to 100 followers. Say something about your comic. Oh, my God. I always forget about the damn comic. Uh, yeah. Uh, we also have a comic that we post on Botch Spots and Chair Shots called uh, The Heel Support Group with Max and Colby. Uh, we haven't done one in a while. I am going to uh, do the one this weekend. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks, Will. Bobby Mack, you're up. Uh, Yellow Shoe Guy on Twitter, on uh, TikTok, um, anywhere and everywhere on social media nowadays, which is totally weird for me. Um, You can play video games with me if you want to go to the Twitch channel as well. With Yellow Shoe Guy, usually it's Grand Theft Auto or some kind of casino game. Um, And if you're in Texas, please don't follow me unless, you know, you're really hot. <laughs> Leave it to Bobby. We made oh, it. Worse. We made it one hour and sixteen minutes before Bobby made an inappropriate comment about a lady. Hey, I so, so um, you do know it's always bigger in Texas, so like you know, he, he's gonna have some fun. This yeah, is true. Hopefully, the higher the hair, the closer to God. <laughs> Y'all are wild. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, Allison, keep working on getting those three indie guys. I want them on this show. Um, I, they said they'd never come on. Oh no! Just oh. the British guy said that he would never come on our show. Really? Really? Oh, really? Big wrong. Because he followed me the next day and returned my message that said he wanted to be on in June. So that's wrong. Well, there you go. Alrighty. Oh, um, my turn. Remember, if you are following us here, to head over to Smacked Raw on Twitter to follow. Uh, RN and Kai, they do the rewind every Sunday night or Monday, depending on the schedule. Uh, they do a nice little recap of everything happening in the world of wrestling. Make sure to check out UWO, Kyle's unpopular wrestling opinions. It's always a good shot. But now as we close another episode of Botch Bots and Share Shots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. I want to remind you to go anywhere you do anything on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, iHeartRadio, Spotify, literally all the options. Remember to like, subscribe, follow, unsubscribe, but then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling us how great we are, how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps our algorithm and it helps us find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous and want to be one of those VIP people, head over to patreon.com and donate to the Smack Draw Podcast Network. You get cool swag and we get fantastic guests. It's a win-win. As always, I am your host, The Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. Watch spots and share shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Watch Spots and Share Shots on all platforms to make sure we're here on Botch Spots and Share Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage of Texas Echo. Echo Ball all day. Botch Spots and Share Shots. Check. Savage!